Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 68. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. And we're a couple in Austin, Texas, getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's movie and media blind spots. Yes. And sharing our must-see movies and guilty pleasures from our pasts. Each week, one of us chooses something... Oftentimes, usually, oft times, usually something the other person has never seen before. Although yeah. that's not strictly a requirement anymore, or we totally run out of things. But you hadn't seen this one. But I haven't seen this. No, okay. I usually haven't seen the things you choose. Yes. However, what? no, you can. Yes, I know there are exceptions. There's one a few times ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're a regular listener, you know that our uh, our range of movies goes all over the place. Yep. Kurosawa one week. Pee-wee's Big Top, and we never did Pee-wee's Big Top, but you know Have what you I'm not saying. seen that one? That might be one we could do for the podcast. <laughs> I've seen the... I haven't seen... Big pee- Top pee- Pee-wee. No, I haven't called. seen Big Top Pee-wee. I've only seen Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Okay. Well, so, yeah. So, that's not what we're doing. No, no, no. If we not. haven't confused you enough, <laughs> we should probably tell you that uh, it's Ashley's choice yes. to pick our movie of the week, and uh, and it's my choice, my my turn, to watch it. That's right. <laughs> and only I will talk about it today. No, that's not true. What did you choose for us today? Uh, okay, so this is... I don't know if I should preface this or antiface it. I don't know. After face it, I'll just say it's Wet Hot American Summer. We also is, make up words on this show. Yes. <laughs> I'll do an anti-face. Everything ship. <laughs> uh from 2001, um, written by uh, Michael Showalter, uh, directed, uh, and David Wayne. Um, just a bunch of people from the state and a few other, like, sketch comedy people and then some actors that they could gather up together. Is it the state or the slate? The state. Oh, okay. See, I've it was on MTV. That. It was called The State, which I never saw because I'm a little too young because these people are all your age. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not during Janine Garofalo's age. I'll just say that she's just a little bit older. She's like she's like seven years older than you, or something like that. Anyway, so it's got Janine Garofalo. No, she's fourteen years older than me. It's got Christopher Maloney from uh, Law and Order SVU, um, and actually, kind of like a scene stealing thing. A little bit of Paul Rudd in there, um, and then a bunch of you know Michael Ian Black and. Uh, Amy Poehler and a bunch of other sort of sketch comedians. Elizabeth Banks is in it. You guys are missing the hand gestures because she's giving me like doing a little pinch of... uh, A pinch of Paul Rudd. Christopher Maloney or whatever. (laughs) A pinch of uh, Paul Rudd. So I I feel like I need to preface why I chose this movie because it's not like one of my favorite movies. It's actually not a movie that I saw until I was like in my mid to late 20s, I want to say. Um, so I went through a period as some, as all girls do, no, as some women do, I don't know, um, where I was really interested in, uh, sketch and stand-up comedy. You, you know that say, phase that all girls go through. <laughs> I, I totally thought you were going to say a Paul Rudd phase. <laughs> no, it's not even related as, to as Paul as Rudd. <laughs> <laughs> and I, the thing is I knew about Paul Rudd because we watched Clueless when I was like in eighth grade or something like that. So I'm, when did your parents first tell you about uh, Paul, Paul Rudd? Rudd. <laughs> Do you was, remember the talk? <laughs> so, I mean, like, I think it started, um, I started listening to podcasts and when you listen to podcasts, you eventually come across that special time in someone's life when they come across Mark Maron's podcast 
And then through that, I learned a lot about like stand up, the differences between like stand up and sketch comedy and the different fields of comedy. And then I started getting really interested in sort of the like political discussion that was going on around the time about like sexism in comedy and, you know, the ethics of rape jokes and, and all of that kind of stuff, which is fascinating. I still am interested in it, just not as interested as I was. So, like, one of the things that I kept coming across is that people kept mentioning, you know, as I was watching, you know, all these, like, I went back and watched the Ben Stiller show, which I was a little bit too young to have seen, which, of course, Janine Garofalo came from from that. I've actually never seen yeah. the Ben Stiller show, not even one episode. I watched a bunch of um, Upright Citizens Brigade, which was a Comedy Central show. Amy Poehler came from Upright Citizens Brigade. Actually, Tina Fey also came up through um, Upright, well... She may have come through Second City. But anyway, so there's this whole, like, sort of weird, incestuous, like, back and forth, like, between different, like, sketch troops and, and like, going back and forth from Saturday Night Live to Molly Shannon was in this. Is that or... why this movie is, like, the high school yearbook of sketch comedy comedians? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I think, I, I just, I felt like it was important for me to watch, so I watched it. And I don't remember loving it, and I still <laughs> feel that way. Um, but I just thought it would be, it, it like seemed like an important thing to discuss because we've never really talked about um, comedy. And it's like sort of like a something I have a vague interest in, well, I we guess. We Mr. You, Show. Yeah, we did. We did. So this appeals to the, <laughs> the same Ashley who loves Mr. Show. Yeah. Which, and Bob Odenkirk was on the Ben Stiller show, which I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either until I just looked it up. So. It's like some JFK conspiracy yeah, where they I was, all like connect. Yeah, like I said, they're all they connected. They were all on the grassy knoll <laughs> that day. So, yeah, that's that's a little bit or a lot of why I decided to do this. Um, yeah, I'll get into more of my thoughts in a little bit, but what do you So th- my profound uh, thing that I'm going to say... This is a very silly movie. It is a very silly movie, yeah. But I like things that are very silly. But but I don't know, you know, the as a fan of of all sorts of sketch comedy, do you feel a little bit like Monty Python and the comedy police should have come on and said too silly at some at some point? There were a couple there were a couple <laughs> there were a couple moments like that. I so I didn't I've heard of this movie, but I actually didn't know who was yeah. in it. So every person who appeared on screen or in the credits was a surprise to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that David Wayne made it. I think the only... I guess I've seen Role Models is probably... Yeah, yeah. He did a few years after this. Um, what was I going to say? I guess... Oh, so the point of that was I didn't know this came out of sketch comedy. Like, yeah. Deeply out of sketch comedy and these troops like the state that already existed and people who are working together. But it definitely like a few minutes into it, it had that kind of feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Of like, (laughs) we have a theme. Yeah. We have a setting and funny things happen and hit the mark sometimes. And sometimes weird things happen and don't quite hit the mark. Yeah. And so I think it has that kind of a sense like even the best sketch shows, even the best comedy movies have the jokes that don't land or the things that were just a little too out there. Yeah. Um, so it had that. Yeah. I honestly don't know how it all comes out in the balance. Yeah. Like, I found it 
I found it amusing and silly, like I already said, and strangely kind of sweet in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it actually kind of feels sort of innocent and silly, and I think maybe maybe because it comes out of like I don't know if you've ever seen any of the dumb movies that it's basically satirizing. I've never seen Meatballs or so any I've of those. So I've seen Meatballs yeah. and a couple of things. Meatballs. Sleepaway I've Camp. Seen meatballs I guess one and two, and, and you know there were a bunch of those at the time. So it has that kind of thing going for it, which is weird because those are already yeah. comedy. Those are like teen sex comedy sorts of things, or it's you know which are kind of weird because they're also about like like early teen, preteen kids, but yeah. it's also the counselors are all, it's the same thing as this where the counselors are all trying to hook up and stuff like that. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's my grand yeah. theory. It's not a unifying theory. So yeah, it has, well, it doesn't really, I mean, like, I guess it, it does have a theme. I mean, and it's interesting because I was just reading a, about this. They definitely said that they were influenced by those eighties camp movies, which I'm I'm too young to have seen, um, and we're not really my kind of comedy at all. But they're like younger versions of Animal House, which also I have not seen. So well, I haven't seen lots of that sort of gross out '80s comedy. I just haven't seen it. You know, so, I don't remember them being that gross out. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I was probably eleven or twelve. Yeah stumbling on meatballs or something on tv i don't even know if it was rated r to be honest it was like something that would have been on showtime over and over yeah it did (laughs) you know i will say it did feel a little bit more like a movie that i actually do like which is uh uh god is it it's uh, true beverly hills which shelly duvall were uh, she's this rich woman that's all of a sudden in charge of her of her daughter's uh I can't remember if we watched that together. You might have put that on once. I probably did. It's one that I liked when I was younger. So, but it has that. It's it's the same sort of. It, it, it that's the sweetness. Whereas I don't know if the if the other ones would have had that same sort of emotional. No, I don't think so. No, those resonance. were like you know, it's Bill Murray yeah. and it and it's kind of the off Canadian. Yeah. Raunchiness <laughs> sensibility. I think. <laughs> you know, I mean, and I. And my memory of this is 30, 40 years old or something. Yeah. Like, I don't... My impression would be... You don't be, watch Meatballs with your or anything. I don't watch Meatballs, <laughs> but my impression would be if you're imagining fart jokes and stuff like that, it's sort of the lowbrow kind of, I mean, I think. I mean, yeah. I'm sorry if I'm maligning this movie anybody. <laughs> I really do I just know this comes out of that. Well, but the interesting thing is they also said... So they were inspired by those movies, but they also, like, wanted... like a, And they, they actually... The movie they said was they wanted to make a movie like Nashville with lots of characters. And I was like, really? Nashville? That's where they're well, going with I this? Saw, I saw the same interview that you did. And they mentioned <laughs> Nashville, Dazed and Confused, oh, that, well, and it Do seems the Right like, Thing. It seems like Dazed and Confused. As a, as a movie, yeah. they wanted to make a movie with a large cast that all takes place on one day. Yeah. Right. Oh, and that's right. Do the right thing was the yeah. other one that really Nashville and do so the right Dazed thing. So Days and Confused made the most sense. We yeah, yeah. have some <laughs> common. There's at least one actress who's in both. Well, it's interesting because I feel I I know you know, and I'm gonna offend some people here. I like Rick Linklater. I do not like. I don't love Days and Confused. I just I never have. I like how you have to apologize that you. <laughs> well, don't I love feel it. bad. I mean, we used to live like where like ninety percent of it was filmed. I mean, we lived around the block from the top, top notch, notch yeah. and the baseball field where and the Moon Tower. We lived all of those places. 
Um, so, like, I feel like bad as an Austinite and bad as as a person who genuinely enjoys Rinklater films. I just, I don't, I never really connected with Dazed and Confused the way that uh, other people have. And I, I saw, sorry for that. I like Dazed and Confused. Um, <laughs> I came to it many years later, I yeah. think. But well, I, again, another one that I saw in eighth grade, so... so. So dial back yeah. a moment, rewind, yeah. pause, whatever. So you didn't see this in 2001? No, no, no. So when as, did you see this? Like as, so in 2001, I would have been 20. And I didn't see it probably till my late 20s. So okay, 2010, maybe. So I was thinking about this. It's, I'm actually glad that I saw it now. Yeah. If I had seen it in 2001, I wouldn't have known who any of them no, are. no. And yeah. actually, I have to say that, you know, the movie's 20 years old. Yeah, twenty exactly, exactly 20 years old. Right? If I didn't know Amy Poehler... Okay, so I would have known Janine Garofalo, David Hyde Pierce, and Paul Rudd, probably. I don't and, know if, and Elizabeth Banks, Effie. I wouldn't have known Elizabeth Banks in 2000... If I had seen this oh, when it yeah, came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I barely know who yeah. she is now. <laughs> She's Effie Trinket. I know. From what, the Hunger Games. Yeah, that's the only thing I know her from. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, I wouldn't have known. Like, part of my appreciation now was that you've been showing me all of these sketch comedies and all of these shows that yeah. you love for years, and I didn't even really know. I mean, I didn't even watch Parks and Rec until you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd seen one episode. So Paul Rudd, yes, Clueless, big fan. Yeah, all that. All that. He's a national treasure. <laughs> we love Paul Rudd. He's immortal. He's like sold his soul to the devil or something. I don't know because he yeah. look, he's looked the same for 30 years. Yeah. I don't know how he Almost did it. Almost died. I think he looks better now, actually. So <laughs> So he found the fountain of youth. But uh, but a lot of my enjoyment came from the that like running into old friends kind of feeling. Of yeah. It. Like the, the like little burst of like, oh, look, Ken Marino's in it. You yeah, know? and I guess he was in the state, maybe. I think. Yeah, he was in the state, yeah. but we know him from Party Down, which we've well, done. Well, I know on the him, show. but I actually knew him from Veronica from Mars, Mars first, before that, yeah. and then Party Down. But then, like, since I I've now seen all of these things things with you, I see like all the ways they link up to each other. You know, yeah. it's this lineage. It's the you know I see the connections to Party Down and to, um, well. Even Veronica Mars because of Ken Marino. Well, that's the thing that's interesting to me is that, and you pick up on this if you listen to comedy podcasts, especially those set in LA, is that there's a whole community of of people that are kind of, they're not like superstars, but they're known enough. And they kind of form this sort of community in LA. And then there's this sort of bi-coastalness, you know, where like SNL people go from being in L- based in LA to going to New York for a few years to be on SNL and then they come back to LA and it's I don't know but there's like a yeah they all know each other and they you know live pretty close together in in yeah you know so I think that there's sort of like a community there and that's how like all this sort of these things happen and these people get on shows and you know because of all these like connections and which is interesting <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's interesting. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then and then they're on all the sketch comedies and, you know. Well, I didn't even know who Amy Poehler was. Yeah. So now it's like we've we've stumbled across baby Amy Poehler, we call her a few yeah. times lately, because she was in 
uh, the Judd Apatow. The Judd Apatow um, um, College One. Undeclared. Undeclared, yeah. So. Yeah, which I had seen <laughs> when it aired. But yeah. again, I didn't know who Amy Poehler was back yeah. then. Now to go back there and see all of these people I love like together having fun. Yeah. That's what I liked about it. Yeah. And I've always loved Janine Garofalo. Yeah. I think she's I was just saying she's well we're... cast in this in her role because she's like the camp director. Yeah. She's a few years older than everyone. She's yeah. sort of more established than than most of the others would have been at that time, you know. Um yeah. It's hard to it's hard for me to think back to a time where I didn't know about Amy Poehler. Like it's When did you first know about Amy Poehler? Well, no, just, you know, probably SNL, but yeah. you know, um same thing with Molly Shannon, like Okay, I knew Molly Shannon yeah. from SNL back when I used to watch decades ago. Yeah. But I stopped watching. And I think Molly Shannon is ago. also a little bit older. I think she's uh-huh. closer to Janine Garofalo's age. I mean, these are all, you know, they're all in their fifties now, late forties, you know. So they would have been in their whatever twenty years ago was, thirty thirties and forties sort of thing back then, so so what we have on our hands here is like it's an ensemble movie where everybody where there's all these mini stories yeah. that sort of converge or or peak in different places. I mean, like what what holds this all together? I mean, you have the um, it's the last day of the last full day of the camp before the yeah. kids get picked up. Yeah. So everybody's trying to hook up for the last time or mm-hmm. sometimes for the first time for the people. first time. <laughs> Many <laughs> of them. Some, several of of them. Um, they have to have you have to have a goal. Yes. Characters need a goal. Yeah, <laughs> and then you also have the plot of um, Janine Garofalo having a crush on David Hyde Pierce yes. as the astrophysicist who lives next to the camp. Yes, which I I like I love that. Yeah, they're, they're silly. <laughs> I liked their weird crush vibes right yeah. away. <laughs> and they both do awkward really well yeah. but in totally different ways you yeah. know david hyde pierce awkward is not janine garofalo awkward i love both of those actors so much like i mean like i i have always loved janine garofalo just for the fact that she's like like she, i mean like she was just she was like the first woman maybe i saw in tv and movies that was like her deal was being funny and smart. And I just think that that's awesome. And like... Funny, smart, and sardonic. And sarcastic. Yeah, yeah. that's the other thing. Yeah. So that's... I was very into that. She doesn't suffer fools. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and she's just... I mean, like, she's just awesome. I've always just loved her. And then, you know, David Hyde Pierce is hilarious in everything that he's been in, you know, so... So, <laughs> one of the... The strange surprises of this film was the place of uh, Skylab falling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a space station in the in the early. I 80s. never knew you were like. Do you know about this? And I was like, I, I have no idea. I never so heard of it. <laughs> I haven't thought about this since 1981. I was 10 years old in 1981 to date myself. And uh, this movie has a plot point of uh, of Skylab falling and David Hyde Pierce, the astrophysicist, and all the nerd kids. Yeah. What do they call them? The indoor kids? The indoor kids. Where are yeah. the indoor kids? <laughs> the ones who like science. They have to come up with this contraption to save because they 
he thinks that the pieces of Skylab are going to fall on the camp. Well, that was a real thing when Skylab was falling, and I totally <laughs> forgot about it. It's just some weird moment in history that you lived through, if you did, like I yeah. did. And uh, it was really funny that it came up as a plot point in this movie. And sure enough, Skylab fell on on the campsite. Not on the, yeah. the piece of it, anyway. Yeah. Well, they made it look like it was the whole thing or yeah, something. Yeah, I, I don't know. The, how, maybe it had Skylab written on the side of it. Was. I never, but it actually fell two years before, I think, in the in 78. But That's fine. Yeah, does it's just matter? A, like a, does historical <laughs> accuracy really matter? Not in this, this movie, apparently. It doesn't matter. <laughs> So they got points for the randomness, even in 2001, of remembering Skylab. Yeah. And I guess the other big, what, arc, I guess, is that uh, we have... Um, oh, I guess there's a couple others, but the other big one is that uh, Michael Showalter's character, I can't remember his name, dude. Coop. Coop, that's right. He has a crush <laughs> on uh, Katie. Katie, who's dating Paul Rudd's character. Paul Rudd is the worst. He's the best, though. He's so funny. <laughs> like I, I literally like the they're. T- I like I love the Christopher Maloney character, but my favorite moment in the movie is um, uh, when Paul Rudd's character just throws like a bunch of crap on the ground. Well, he goes in to have his uh, cafeteria food yeah. just like at a random off time, eats a few bites of it, and then just throws the Sit rest on, on the, the floor. And the engineer Garofalo asks him to pick it up, and he just does this hilarious like physical like ugh ugh. You know, I don't want to like, but it's just, it's, to me, is the funniest thing in the movie. It's the one thing that actually had me, like, laughing out loud. So, even it's now, just completely... I don't know how many times you've seen this, yeah. but you were dying just, laughing. Just twice, With you him, know? like, uh, 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 like, reaching, like, it was so... physically painful for him to pick up stuff. <laughs> So I mean, for for me that that stole the that stole the movie. I mean, like it almost didn't matter what he did the rest of the movie. He's a worthless, handsome jerk who's yeah. cheating on uh, what's her name with everybody, Katie, yeah. Katie with everybody. <laughs> and um, but he's Paul Rudd, and he's funny. Yeah. <laughs> but and um, he's the competition for all of the guys. I guess he's the guy. Yeah. Sort of. Well, he's 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 a big. He likes Journey. That's one thing I noticed about his bunk is he's got Journey all over. He's oh, wearing a Journey shirt. I didn't remember that. Yeah, he, he likes Journey a lot. Fun so. fact, I was wearing a Journey shirt in 1981 because <laughs> I would have been around when I went to my first concert, yeah. which was Journey. Yeah. In 1981, <laughs> for real. So, I mean, like most of the, I mean, like most of the sort of like through line of the movie is him trying to develop this relationship with, um, but... You know, the interesting thing is, is it plays with time a lot. So it like makes the day seem like, like really long, which yeah. actually makes the movie feel a little too long, actually, in my opinion. But <laughs> well, that's what I think it's a joke yeah. because there's no way that all of the things that are supposed to have happened could have happened by the timestamp on the. So yeah. this is one of the it's, you know, it's like Law and Order or whatever. It's, it gives you the timestamp, 8.33 a.m. Every once in a while you get an update of the timestamp. Yeah. The shit that goes down by by, the, <laughs> by 11 a.m., it's yeah. like half the movie took place. Yeah. All kinds of crazy shit goes on before you get to like 11.30 a.m. And then all of a sudden it cuts to like 3 p.m. And yeah, I was yeah, like, what's going on? Yeah, they skipped about three hours in the middle part of the day. Well... You know, it's interesting because they they did a physical shot of of this as well, where um, 
it just reminds me of um, Monty Python sketches where it seems like they're running and running and running, but they're not getting any closer because they keep showing the same zoom shot over and over again, um, which is amusing. But like, the, it kind of felt like the movie was doing that. But oh. they actually did a shot like yeah. that in it where um, Kev- Ken Marino's being chased by a motorcycle. And they did oh, like yeah. where, oh, where it looks like he's yeah, yeah, running yeah. faster than oh, the I love stuff like, like that. Yeah, the, like, well, <laughs> the, where they're messing with like film language a yeah. little bit. <laughs> they did that. Another one of my favorite things was the training montage. Yeah, <laughs> was that also Ken Marino and the Vietnam vet? Who was it? Who's in training? No, it was Michael Showalter it's, it's and and it he's was getting Coop, him in training Coop to, and, to hook and up Christopher with Maloney. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't even, I can't picture it. I just remember dying laughing at, at the, it didn't make any sense. They were, it was like dancing, like flash dance. They were yeah. doing like in a room, like <laughs> bouncing against mirrors and stuff like that. But then they were also running in a field. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, like, and it's, it's you just. Can't, a, you can't beat a mock-up of a montage. I just like, that's just a funny thing is when, because like montages are so cliche and like and they have a role in yeah, a movie they're like yeah. right before the the, <laughs> the last climax, act or the yeah. climax <laughs> so i appreciate i ironically uh, ironically and unironically i appreciate a montage and i especially appreciate like a funny montage and this one was um delivered on all points so i'm with you that um gene the vietnam vet cafeteria chef by christopher maloney is like one of the funniest characters <laughs> Well, it's even funnier because, like, when I had when I was watching this, I don't know if he was on Law and Order yet. He well, must, I, I don't know. But him. like, if you were, if you've watched as many episodes of Law and Order SBU as I have, you know, which is like twenty four in a day because they just keep playing them. No, not really. But um. you can't you can't <laughs> dial that back. I heard you say. Well, it. no, no I, I mean, can't. but you you do kind of get caught up on those weekend. They used to do weekend marathons on one of those T- TBS or TNT or something like that. And like you try to get up and go somewhere else and then they just start another one anyway. Um, so if you know him as. Uh, I don't. I don't. I never <laughs> watched Law and Order. That's why we have this show is there's all these things that I should have watched or or haven't seen that it's kind of weird that I haven't. And I just haven't. Well, so I didn't know him. Yeah. I didn't recognize him. That's that's something that like we don't have anymore is that sort of like cable television like marathon thing where you like like you sit through a million commercials and you're thinking, "Oh, this is the last one." And then they get you wrapped into another thing just by showing a little bit before they break to commercial. Well, they don't have the commercials then, now. Now it's yeah. just like, "Are you still watching?" Are you still watching? It's not the same though. I, I have to say like it's it's I don't know. Like continuous content is different than a little bit of content followed by commercial break. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, but. I got one for you. Yeah. <laughs> Who gets the award for most unrecognizable surprise in this movie? Or who do you think I would give the award to? I don't know what you mean by that. Bradley Cooper? Oh, yeah. Bradley Cooper's in it. This was, his, right. this was his first film? I still feel like I have to go back and verify that that's Bradley Cooper. It's Bradley Cooper, yeah. That is weird to me. So he plays, uh, he's Amy Poehler's partner in crime, and they're yeah. trying to cook up the best talent show that the camp's ever had. Well, isn't he also, like, Michael Ian Black's lover? Too? Yeah. Don't they get married during yeah. the... 
Yeah, they, they have that weird marriage ceremony down by the, <laughs> the river, the lake, whatever. It's a lake. Yeah, Jean and Ben. No, not yeah. Jean. Jean is the Vietnam vet. I yeah. can't keep track of the characters. In no. my head, it's just... <laughs> so, like, I didn't know what to do to prepare for this. Yeah. I mean, Yeah, I don't know. I wrote down things. I wrote down my favorite things, and I wrote down a, a category that just says weird. Yeah. So, <laughs> what is the weird category? <laughs> all right. So, the weird category, and this is in that kind of hit and miss thing for yeah. me, was I wrote down the kid casualties. So there's this weird thing where like kid, oh, kids drown and stuff like that on on Paul Rudd's watch. Yeah, like, like two, and, and they like actually think... drown. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> but it doesn't really fit the tone of the movie. It, yeah. It's hard to make that funny. So, or when they just randomly threw a kid out of a van, out of the moving van, too, like twice. Okay. The other, this is good because <laughs> yeah. the other weird thing I wrote was the weird continuity error where they show the kid the same shot of the kid getting thrown out of the van like. 20 minutes apart yeah i think that was designed to be like like a real error or something like yeah like they changed the real badly it's or not something. actually it's an error it's not <laughs> yeah. actually an error it's playing with the the filmic device of an error or well, something the like two that. other it's ones like, that bother it's like me, a though, fake continuity error it's an intentional continuity error where they took it too far two other times okay one, i got one for you yeah where the the camp the girl who's making out with everyone is making out with a 12 year old and then at yeah. the end when molly shannon ends up with the 12 year old who counsels yeah her, so the underage that's stuff a little weird is not that me. funny yeah, to no, me no it's not what was funny it's not funny at all <laughs> what was funny was the kid being the therapist that was funny. so that yeah. was funny yeah. they didn't have to end up as a couple at the no, end no. but you have um molly shannon completely falling apart when she's supposed to be <laughs> doing the craft class yeah <laughs> With more indoor kids, basically. Yeah. And uh, she's like, just hands them the basket of crayons, but there's no crayons in the basket. Yeah. And they have to like point it out to her. And she ends up uh, unloading her whole like problem with her, her ex. Yeah. And one of the little 11 or 12 year old boys just starts like... Well, I think making the whole her class role is like yeah, they make her role play yeah but he's the lead it's like right therapy, he's like yeah. the therapy he makes they're they like role play like you cut to it every once yeah. in a while it's an ongoing thread that you cross cut back to so that's funny i liked the molly shannon stuff well but the okay the other one that i was going to say that was kind of just didn't land for me mm-hmm. was the where they all go off to the town and they have that weird crack house montage oh yeah what's that i don't know it's like conceptual crack house because yeah. then they come back and obviously that didn't happen. I mean, it doesn't. Yeah, it's it doesn't, a weird thing. It's to kind joke of about. like a music video or something. The way it's it's so exaggerated and and hyperbolic yeah. and like well surreal, really. They it's must like, have spent a long time filming it. It's like surrealism. <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't actually even fit into what we have of a narrative that's composed of sketch yeah. sketches anyway. Well, it just <clears throat> and like what people. I don't know. I think that probably when I saw this 10 years ago, it wouldn't have bothered me. But now I like, I just don't think it's that, (laughs) that funny anymore. You know, that, that, um, to joke about that sort of thing. Yeah. It's just not, it's not that fun to, to, to worry to think about you know it's it doesn't bring me so that felt comedic more, joy I mean, or some, anything some of that sequence felt monty python-esque because yeah. like it's they're going to they all they hitch a ride into town with janine garofalo yeah. right and so they're gonna let loose but instead of like whatever 
buying cigarettes or ice cream or something like that they have scenes of them like robbing old ladies or whatever and then they end up like well it was funny up until we got i mean like i was okay with that but it's like you know it's like if you ever go to an amateur um improv show and like you know if they've only been doing it for you know for a year once in a while it goes too far it's just like someone takes it to somewhere that's too gross or too sexual and then like then you're stuck there for a while and it's (laughs) uncomfortable for the audience it's probably really uncomfortable for the um improv people this is one of the reasons why i don't do improv is because (laughs) because i would worry about getting to that point you know and and I know, like, the whole thing about improv is that finding is that you're supposed to say yes and. Yeah. And, that, like, the problem with that is that people tend to, instead of, instead of, like, roping it in and making it interesting and putting constraints about it, they, they're completely unbound and they go to all sorts of weird and disturbing places. And, like, I think it takes some real skill to, like, pull yourself back from that. And that's, like, what's gained in, like, all the years of people working that way is that they learn, you know, those limits and those constraints and that, you know, that way to make it more interesting and engaging instead of just scary and gross. Um. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's not a long scene. No. It just doesn't feel like, you know, it's one of those hit and miss moments. It's yeah. not all of a piece. Yeah. <laughs> You know, another thing that that struck me as weird, and I didn't know how to react to it, and like I'm, I was actually pleased because it wasn't exactly clear that this is, but apparently it was somewhat based on David Wayne's experience going to Jewish summer camps up in like Massachusetts and stuff like so that. I didn't get that it was supposed to be a Jewish summer camp. And so you were like, why so, do they keep making up weird Jewish names? Yeah, so I had this weird moment where I was like, why is this going all anti-Semitic all Yeah, of a yeah. It was, but I think, I think knowing the tone of the piece, I didn't think that it was like trying to make fun of Jewish people. I think it was supposed to be a, a tribute to those type of summer camps. And it actually, I was thinking about that because uh, we watched uh, the Mrs. Maisel show last year and they have um, like sort of an older tradition of that in the 50s and 60s, like all these Jewish families would go into upstate New York to these like camps where they would like hang out and and, like they were dancing and it's it's like um, dirty dancing. It was that sort of thing. So it's sort of Jewish professional families that go meet together. I missed any kind of referential or con references or context to yeah. that so all of a sudden when Jean Garofalo is like calling roll and she's like adding Fishberg and stuff onto and, every and name Edelstein I'm like, and stuff like that I'm like what's going why on why is she doing that yeah. why is she doing that so I just don't I think that's one of the problems I have with the movie is that it's like what it's trying to say isn't very clear you know like I, I think they had an idea of what they wanted but they didn't like clarify like real beats or real things that they wanted to get across and so like some of the stuff that comes across is maybe not what they expected you know they're uh, not so it's like they're not fully in charge of the automobile or something yeah, right yeah like it's swerving it it goes off the road a little bit yeah well, it's like a loose outline. Like, we're going to have a scene where this happens, and we're going to have a scene where this happens, as opposed to, like, like well, planning more about, like, what the overall story is and more about, were like... Were they trying to do that? I don't, I don't know. What is the overall message? Yeah. I mean, is there, <laughs> is there a statement they're trying to what make? What happens at camp stays at camp, I guess. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Jewish summer camps were rad? 
Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's funny because, like, the summer camp experiences, I mean, like, if, if you've ever done a sleepaway camp, which I have. I have not. I went to an all-girls one, but it's similar. You have swimming. There's arts and crafts. There's activities, you know. There's social time in the bunk. There's, you know, we didn't have any of, I mean, as far as I know, there wasn't a whole lot of... Um, fraternizing with the counselors as far as I know. Fraternizing with the counselors. Um, I, 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 if there were, um, I assume that it would be frowned upon in uh, rural Texas at the time. <laughs> but um, How old were you when you had to go to sleepaway camp? I went from like 9 to like 13 or something oh, like that. Oh, I didn't that. know you went yeah. for that many years. So I went um, to two two general ones where it was like two weeks where we did sort of all the camp things. And then my last two years I did um, horse-focused. So horse-focused camp. we got up in the morning and we took care of the horses and we went for a ride, which is so beautiful because it was mm-hmm. up near um, Caprock Canyon, not Caprock Canyon, um, Peladuro Canyon in in. Um, North Texas, North mm. North Panhandle. So, like, we would go out and the sun would be rising and we'd be on our horses and be really beautiful. Um, and then come back and swim and do some activities. And then we went to care of the horses and did an evening ride. So that was, that was the thing. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I went for four years. So, but, the, you know, and it does, like, you operate on the schedule um, where, like, you get up, you have breakfast you go do your camp thing, you come back, you have lunch, you go do some more stuff, you come back, you have dinner, and then there's like campfires in the evening and, you know, or star watching and stuff like that. So, so it's really... The only thing that I did that was at all vaguely like yeah. that was we went to like family camp. Yeah. <laughs> so it was through the University of California. My dad was a graduate and um, in the Alumni Association or whatever. And so we went to Camp Blue yeah. in the summertime <laughs> a couple of times yeah. when I was maybe seven, eight years old, something like that. But we slept as a family in a little bunkhouse mm-hmm. kind of thing. But then like by age and stuff, we went off and did activities and we had the cafeteria and we had all the yeah. other stuff. But I was with kids my age and then we'd come back and regroup, have campfire in the evening. It was kind of fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, that doesn't seem terrible. You know, other than, like, I don't like to sleep anywhere that is not my bed, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was, it was fun. So, I mean, like, they definitely capture that sort of camp experience. You know, but I don't know what else they were trying to convey other than, like, camp, you know, the musical. (laughs) The counselors are out of control. Yeah. Some of them. Yeah, I, I don't have it. Again, I don't have any experience with that because... Uh, you were never a counselor. We were not a, well, and it was, I wasn't a counselor and, and yeah, it wasn't so obvious was that David, our counselors were doing Was David Wayne a counselor or was he a kid who attended one of these camps? David uh, Wayne. Maybe both because they, I mean, that's the, the thing I know from Babysitter's Club books is that you have this like... <laughs> the thing I know from Babysitter's Club books. Is that, you know, know you start things. out as a camper, and then when you age out of being a camper, then you can, but you still want to go, you can become a counselor in training, CIT. Okay. And and they're like slightly older girls that are not old enough to be counselors yet, but I think you have to be 16 to be a counselor. So this would be like somewhere between 14 and 15 is the CIT. And then if you, if you decide you want to come back and be a counselor, they hire you as a counselor. You have to get 
trained in, you know, lifeguarding and CPR and all of that stuff, you know, so, um, but yeah, that's, so they, they recruit their counselors from their former, yeah, former campers, you know. By the way, I don't know if you ever heard it, but there's an amazing This American Life episode about a career <laughs> camp kid who becomes a counselor. Yeah. And so it's, the story's told by him as an adult, I yeah. think, but it's a, they interview people who work in, in a summer camp and they just are so devoted to it. Yeah. This, who he was a camper for many years and now he's like one of the main, it's a great show. It's such well, a great documentary. You know, it's interesting. Our, my boss who used to be your boss, um, your boss she's a, she's a, she's boss. a, she's a summer camp person that like went from, from That's the time right. she was like seven until like she was a counselor till she was 18 or whatever. Yeah. You know, so. I remember she told us that yeah. when we interviewed her that time. <laughs> and like her whole, fa- like she has <clears throat> two sisters and they all went through. So it's, it's like a thing and it's an experience. And, um, I'm glad to have had that because <laughs> it does give me perspectives on movies like this, you know, I didn't do it. And yeah. then I haven't given my own kids that experience. But, you know, that said, I feel I felt like the movie was sort of disconnected, didn't really have much of a message or a through line that I connected with in any way. Well, I definitely wasn't expecting a message. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe slightly more of a through line. Again, I didn't know it was came out of sketch comedy. Yeah. That would have made more sense if I had known to expect it to be kind of disconnected. But but like sketches in in around a common theme sort of. I, it's, it's funny to, when you, compared to, like, things like Mr. Show, or, um, Flight of the Concords, or things that sort of have similar sort of things where connected storylines, or, like, a big overall theme that they carry through, like, it just isn't as well executed, as as some of those other things that I and like I don't know maybe if I'd seen it when I was twenty, I would have appreciate well maybe I would have appreciated the comedy better because my palette for comedy has become more sophisticated over time. But <clears throat> but I also would not have cared because I didn't know who any of the people were, you know, except for Janine Garofalo. So. Yeah, I'm having trouble. <laughs> I'm having trouble trying to figure out how much I would have cared or appreciated yeah. it if I didn't know who all the people were. Yeah. Well, the other thing, and this is like another criticism that I had, and it's 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 not a criticism just of this film, but of of comedy at the time, and maybe continuing, is that there's like, and I think it's getting better, but there was like an extreme, like haunting lack of diversity in this film. Like the only black person in the film is an Olympic athlete who just randomly appears during the capture of the flag scene. Yeah, that's not even a real character. That's just yeah. a moment of surrealism. Yeah. So, I mean, and I understand that, like, probably in upstate New York, there's not, at a Jewish summer camp, there's not going to be a lot of diverse students. Although, actually, I think probably there would be because there would probably be programs to bring in. Mm-hmm kids from all over into, and there'd probably be a lot more diversity than was in this thing. So, but my problem is not with the diversity of the campers. My problem is with that there are no diverse comedians in this at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, and and that's, that was a problem with comedy. I mean, it's still a problem with comedy. I think it's getting better. I think it's getting more representative, but like we don't have any 
you know, Latino comedians or Asian comedians or black comedians at all. And like, the thing is, is we know that there are of that generation, there are plenty of black comedians and plenty of Latino comedians that could have been on the show and added things to it. And it just, it's so glaring for me to look back at it now. I, I mean, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have realized it mm-hmm. maybe, but, but I think it's something that the comedy community is starting to recognize and like as more people have opportunities there will be so we have like the great you know i i know you know like Aziz's show and then like Mindy Calling has a great thing that just came out and you know there's um Issa Rae's um HBO show and well, i have been watching Rami Yeah and Rami is so good yeah um and and i know that there's can't remember the name of there's a new uh black female sketch comedy mm-hmm. that i've i've yeah. watched a couple episodes of and really enjoyed i haven't seen it it's pretty good um so it's a really great commentary i wish i could remember the name of it but um so i just feel like it's sort of glaring that you know and and part of you know i don't mean it as like i'm sure these people didn't mean to exclude anyone or anything like that but it's just it just shows how unaware we were mm-hmm. and how now that we are aware that we can be more inclusive and criticize things based on that, you know, and, and hopefully work towards more. Because the thing is, is that the more people that are represented in comedy, like the better picture of it is of the world and the better we can, I don't know, comedy for me has always been a way to understand the world, which mm-hmm. is why it's so appealing to me. Um, I relate to a lot of things from their from a humorous perspective, even things that probably I shouldn't. But things <laughs> <laughs> that are dark and. But like, if if you have a co- comedy world that's representative of the world at large, then then we have a better way of a tool, a better tool for understanding things mm-hmm. and understanding how relationships work without you know making it so hard. And and not that the work of of erasing racism shouldn't be hard, but. <laughs> You know, it, it makes it a little more palatable, I guess, is, mm-hmm. is the argument that I'm trying to make. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's that was like one thing other than the sort of me not connecting to the through line is sort of the lack of representation at all in it, you know. Hey, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't even think of that. But <laughs> yeah. um, for me, we watched it on a Saturday night. It was appropriately dopey and silly and fun. (laughs) I felt like this is almost the definition in a certain way of like the um, blind spot that we talk about. Yeah. You know, the, our tagline for the show. Like, (laughs) and it fills in like this kind of lineage of where we are now by looking back at who these comedians were then when they're working in this kind of, you know, it's kind of a rough, sloppy, low budget, silly movie yeah but we did that before we got to where we are now where things are better yeah (laughs) so i really liked i liked the way it fills in my knowledge of the past yes exactly comedy comedy (laughs) of the past and um and now that i and you've had to kind of cultivate my tastes a little bit over the last few years by curating some of these great shows that i missed just because they were not on my radar yeah at the time you, you know, most particularly raising small children and not really watching much yeah. TV. So, yeah, I appreciated it. It's hit and miss. Uh, but, like, I don't know. There's this, it, it's kind of strangely 
endearing and you forgive a lot of its flaws, I think, because you like the people yeah. involved in it. Well, and a few memorable moments is all that a show like that needs. Like, yeah. you know, with a character like, uh, was you said it was Glenn, the Christopher Maloney's character. Is that right? Uh, Gene, I Gene, think is his name. Yeah. yeah. Who talks to a can of vegetables, which yeah, I love. And says things he doesn't mean to. He has a Freudian slip problem, which uh-huh. is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, he has to go off and hump the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, like just random like scenes with Paul Rudd, who just steals that that particular scene. You know, it's just... That's enough, I guess, for... for, for you know, and you don't... I mean, like, there's no reason to be, like, overly involved in the relationships or, you know. It's kind of amazing that this movie is still as memorable as it is and became kind of a cult film because it apparently really didn't do well. I mean, it... Like, they sold it for $100,000, I think, is what they were able to sell it for. Well, it played at Sundance. Yeah. They couldn't distribute it. But nobody would pick it up. Yeah. And then the only deal they got was like basically cut a check for a hundred thousand without any interest in it. Yeah, they didn't make anything on the you know after sales or yeah. uh, they don't have it's a piece showed, of the film showed in, or the profits. Yeah, it showed in thirty. It opened in thirty film. So what I remembered, <laughs> I thought it was a direct to but, a direct to no to vid, or no. Direct it only to played DVD. in thirty cities yeah. briefly and. Uh, I only remember seeing it at, like, Hollywood Video, like, on the new releases uh, section. It's it's really low on Rotten Tomatoes. It got panned by critics. It got one star by Roger Ebert. But it's... But then Kristen Bell says it's her favorite movie of all time. Well, and Owen Gleiberman (laughs) from um, Entertainment Weekly at the time liked it as well. So, you know. Which, I like Owen Gleiberman. I've always liked... But he has kind of a weird sense of movies sometimes so well so do you yeah it's true <laughs> so yeah i had no idea you were gonna pull this one out this week and, well uh, i just it, it i just nice thought like pace. but while we were watching i was like oh do i really want to talk about this and i was like well maybe we could make it interesting by talking about well I think... things about it not rather than rather than the film itself you know well it explodes in all of these different directions there's so many things to take into well, account and and in a sense like without this film like we might not have a comedy landscape that we have we might not have amy poehler as um parks and rec person i can't leslie nope we might leslie not have nope. leslie nope you know we would probably have paul rudd we probably have both. We will always have Paul Rudd. But, I mean, like, Elizabeth Banks has been in all these great comedy shows that I remember her from. Probably got started. Because she's an actress. She's not, like, in the comedy scene. Um, but she ended up on um, 30 Rock in this great role as uh, Jack's uh, wife, Avery, um, who's fantastic um, on there. But then and she... Michael Showalter went off to direct The Big Sick a couple of years yeah. ago. I didn't so make that. I didn't, I didn't realize he directed he was, that. Yeah, he directed The Big Sick. Wow, I love that movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a more diverse film. <laughs> yeah. So nice choice. Interesting. Yeah. A lot of left field. I yeah. wasn't expecting it, but it, it was good to shake it up with something different. Yeah. So, yeah. um... Paul Rudd, Amy Poehler, Janine Garofalo, David Hyde Pierce... You really can't go wrong with this cast. No, it's it's pretty good. So You sort of just have to plug these people in and you have something that's worth watching. Well, I'm glad that we were able to pull a conversation at it. Because, like, honestly, while we were watching, I always worry about how the films I choose, you know, because, like, you know, 
when we're watching films like Seven Samurai and We always have to pick on Kurosawa, don't we? (laughs) I do. I pick Fellini, too. Um, Like, I I can't compare with that because, like, one, I didn't have a film education like that. But, um, I don't know. Sometimes I need to appreciate that my own knowledge is useful and um, interesting and... And all 12 of you who download this episode, I hope you agree. <laughs> 22. 22. 22. 22 of you will download 19. this. No, it's, it's yeah, 24 for the Fellini Three ones. of you will listen to the end <laughs> and are hearing this now. <laughs> Two of you. Drop us a line sometime. <laughs> Shut up, watch this at gmail.com so we know you're there. Yeah. Two of I you. I see the downloads. I know some of you are there. One of you will fall off a truck. I hope and break not. Your Two of you will start a... Sorry. Okay, that was... All right. Well, I think that uh, <laughs> unless you have anything else to say, I think that about wraps it up for this episode. That's all. That's all? <laughs> That's all. Okay. Folks. Well, come back to us again and we'll have something completely not like this movie at all to yes. talk about because mm-hmm. it's something different We're going to watch The Ice Storm. <laughs> no, I've seen The Ice Storm. You've seen The Ice Storm. <laughs> I was just trying to think of we the opposite of this movie. The ice storm is the opposite of this movie. <laughs> it totally is the opposite of this movie. <laughs> it's also a period piece, though. Yes. <laughs> Let's not do that. Okay. I like that movie. I like Ang Lee movies. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Tell your friends about our show. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. Look us up on Facebook and Instagram. And um, we will be back with you in about two weeks. And it's my pick again. And I will try and pick the longest, most eight-hour long Swedish slash Greek slash uh, Polish film that I can think of. Okay. We're watching all of the Decalogue again. We already made that joke. <laughs> it's, But we're at the end of the episode. No yeah, one's heard it before. True. And they won't hear it this time. We can do it next time. That's right. All right. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye.